Welcome to Homemaker Chic Podcast. It is Monday. As usual, we're uh, post-weekend recovery. It's like you wait for the weekends and then you you have to kind of rally after them. But we're going to rally today and we're going to rally. We're going to rally really good. We have a surprise for you, friends, in just a few minutes. But we are here perfecting the art of homemaking. We're going to really look at the home today. We're doing it um, with a little Toops and Company makeup, some red lips. Shay has her groovy Norway sweater on. I have my groovy crab, crab rave blouse on. <laughs> Did <laughs> your kids rave? watch Crab Rave when that was popular? No, they didn't. Oh, that's no, too bad. Didn't. That you keep that mm-hmm. card in your back pocket for when they're driving you okay. nuts. If you, if you need a, if they need a dance party, you turn on Crab Rave on YouTube. Okay, noted. Yeah, yeah. Super fun. Yeah, I mean it's February, so everyone's kind of driving everybody crazy. <laughs> Is yeah, <laughs> everyone's weird. gotten a bit grouchier. Everybody in society, and I'm like, it's just February. Like maybe let's just not talk till March. Maybe right. let's just do that. Kind of like you know when you have PMS with your husband. Maybe just be quiet. Yeah, maybe <laughs> everyone. Just don't- Culturally, could we just shut up till we get to yeah. like the tulips? <laughs> yep. I mean, there's been plenty of times where I've actually said to myself, like, you just need to go to bed. Like nothing oh. good is going to come out at this point. You just right. go put yourself to sleep. Wake up again tomorrow and just try again. Because like a three-year-old. <laughs> like a three-year-old. Know thyself yeah. for crying exactly. out loud. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Big time. So oh, anyway, um, we're here. Yeah. And um, I'm really excited. So we have a surprise guest for you today. But before, I mean, like the surprise guests of surprise guests, at least if you're Angela and I. <laughs> I'm a, sweating. I, I told mustache Stu. sweat, armpit sweat. <laughs> And my space heater's on again. I'm like, why is that? Why did I do that? Yeah. So I was explaining to Stu who we were going to be interviewing today. And of course, he knows of her because yeah. of because he's married to me. But I was like, this is like the epitome of you interviewing Stevie Ray Vaughan, who is, you know, famed blues guitar player. And I was like, if you were going to interview Stevie Ray, like your eye, you know, this is your hobby, playing guitars. Here's your idol, Stevie Ray. Like, what do you ask him? Like, what would you say? And he's just like, well, Stevie Ray's dead, so. <laughs> okay, well, if he was alive, what would you ask him? I know, Joel, a few times he's like, now, who is this again? Babe, the stack of books. Get it together. Good gracious. The ones where I close them and I <laughs> go crazy uh-huh. and I start uh-huh. running around the house. That one. Yeah, person. a little bit, a little bit like that. Uh, but before we welcome on this special guest, we do want to give a shout out to Toops and Co, sponsor of season ten. You guys have heard us talk about them, but we are, all, we, are, I'm full Toops today, feeling quite, quite glamorous for quite our toopy. guest. Quite feeling quite Toopy. Uh, Toops and Co, T O U P S and Co dot com. We want you to go there and we want you to shop their natural skincare and their natural makeup and their lipsticks and all their beautiful stuff. I've got the bronzer. I've got the blush. I've got the foundation and the concealer and the lipstick um, and the face primer and all that jazz. So uh, thank you to Emily. Super clean, super luxurious skincare and makeup um, and the sponsor of season 10. So yeah, um, let's. Very I just want to talk really quick about Mondays because you know the weekends can be full, and sometimes you're not always as fresh as you want to be. This is my trick: the dry shampoo with the little fancy brush, yeah. and you put it on at night. Yes, and then let it sit there and soak up all your nasties while you're sleeping, mm-hmm. and then you can wake up fresh. Yep, I have but. found the same thing: dry shampoo at night mm-hmm. works. It works better than dry shampoo in the morning. Yeah, then it does its job, and you're not walking around looking like 
you suddenly turned gray. My kids are like, oh, so that's what you're going to look like when you're older. That's nice. They're so nice. Or if I stopped using hair color. (laughs) One of the two. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's actually been quite liberating. Like this is, I haven't colored in a, in a long time. I, you can still see like my summer, my summer ends here because <laughs> mm-hmm. it bleaches out. My kids are like, why is it lighter on the bottom? I was like, well, that's what your hair, their hair is the same way. They just can't yeah. see it. That's what everybody's hair does everybody's in the summertime. Hair. Yeah. In fact, I saw this picture of my children the other day and it was taken at the end of August and they were bleach blonde, dark skin. They looked beautiful and healthy mm-hmm. and then i looked at them I'm like what's wrong <laughs> victorian what's street wrong urchins? with you guys like, you look terrible i look Get. terrible <laughs> they look dark circles under their eyes like everyone just needs a little sunshine we're they ready do. for it to come you know back that first round in the garden where you come in and you're a little you're sun kissed and yeah. you go oh oh there she is <laughs> that's what i've been missing <laughs> Where were you in January? <laughs> yes, seriously. Golly. Yeah. Well, um, I'm like hot to trot. So let's cue the wine music. Okay, let's do it. And uh, um, I love it. Okay, so we encourage you, if you're listening to the podcast, it's Tuesday night, you're making dinner, pour a glass of dry farm wines, won't you? Stock your cupboard with these beautiful, organic, biodynamic natural sugar-free wines i mean these are as good as wine gets frankly and the fact that we can bring them into our kitchen for around 25 26 a bottle is actually really amazing so you guys have heard us talk about this on the podcast a lot we really encourage you to consume better and not more yes and so maybe your wine budget is 30 dollars a month get you a good bottle and really really enjoy it mm-hmm. um if that's all your budget allows. I mean, we've definitely gone through times where there was no wine budget, so I understand that too. Uh, But we want you to visit dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic and use that link because when you do, you'll get a bottle for just a penny with your first order. They'll throw in an extra bottle for just a penny. Um, These are just such beautiful, beautiful, clean wines that really are alive. They're going to completely change your wine palette what you think is really good wine is going to change so prepare yourself uh i think it really compliments a lot of our listeners are on you know they're on a food slash health slash enjoyment of life journey and i hope you know we're an encouraging voice in that and they're already there's so many that are shifting their food palette even to, to try new things and to get healthier and grow more of their own food. This just complements all of it. it. Just finishes the deal. It really does. Yeah. It really so, does. Uh, what did you guys enjoy this weekend? Okay, so um, we're working on getting our tastes back from being sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I never lost mine. Mine got like actually hyper. It went the other way. My smell and taste went off the like pregnant. You're like pregnant. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, Does everyone smell that? What's going on? <laughs> um, and so it took a little bit, you know, obviously we were sick, so we're not drinking wine while we're sick. So this was the first bottle that we opened post sickness. And it's a Gruniere Veltlinger and it's Lausanne Lem, I think it's called. Hold it up. Um, I've never seen that one. Okay. So three of a kind, Matthias, Victoria, and Leonard, three siblings with a heart and love for wine, in harmony with nature, honest craftsmanship as a motto, pure and genuine into the bottle. Uh, So this is an Austrian white. 
It's just 12.5% alcohol, which is really the highest that you're going to see from dry farms because they don't add sugar, which means the yeast doesn't have as much sugar to eat, which means not as much alcohol is produced. Mm -hmm. When you see wines with 13, 14, 15%, the only way you get an alcohol level that high is by adding a bunch of sugar to the wine and giving the yeast essentially more food to eat. So um, tasting notes on this one, it's a heavy-bodied white Obviously, Grenier Veltlinger is the variety. Uh, pink citrus, white oh. and yellow flowers, um, lip smack- smacking acidity, fleshly orchard fruit. So there you go. That sounds um, really good. You had me at pink citrus. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Right? My favorite smell in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually have a bottle of this that I had from before. I also haven't had it yet. So we opened this one. And I'm going to save the other one of the other bottle that I have of this for our Valentine's Day Not dinner. Now that you know. Cool. So we're going to be doing some seafood, and I figured what pairs better with seafood than a nice citrusy kind of tart white mm-hmm. wine. So, but really smooth. And like, it doesn't say this on the tasting notes, but like almost like a vanilla element. Have you had wines like, white wines like that, where it's almost like it's aged in like a, like a bourbon barrel or something. Okay. There's, there's some sort of sweet, just sweet note to it. It's weird. Yeah. Maybe vanilla is the only word I can think to quote. Okay, that, that sounds but- really good. Every time I see the wines like with the 15, like 15%, you know, I always think of, did you used to watch In Living Color? Uh, no, that, I mean, just a you little bit just on the a little tail bit end. Young. Yeah. I can't remember which character it was, but it was a Jim Carrey character. I don't know if it was Fire Marshal Bill, which one of his characters, but he talked about tipping back on grandpa's cough syrup and... Mm-hmm. That's what I think of every time I see yeah, or taste thick. at this point. Yeah. yeah. Pretty thick. Uh, dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic. There's a link below in the show notes if you want to give that a click. Give them a try. Uh, now is a great time of year. Get some beautiful rosés for spring. Um, I was going to say something about that. Okay. Don't remember, though. So there we go. Okay. Well, you got okay. me all jazzed. Um, let's talk about food on Thursday. That, okay, that that description of that wine bottle got me all all excited. <laughs> Hot um, to trot, <laughs> almost as excited as I am right now. I'm not kidding; okay. my palms are sweating. So, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. we're she's in the waiting room. Okay, we're going to let her in. Okay, and just amaze all of you. We're so excited <laughs> for you. We're so excited okay. for us. All right, here we go. So mm. here she is, homemaker chic audience. We are introducing to you our new friend Ross Byam Shaw. You have heard us uh, just go gaga over her over and over again when we do episodes about our home, about cultivating our home and creating beautiful spaces. Uh, Shay, I don't know when we discovered her. I found Perfect French Country years ago, and then you said, you know, she has other books. And yep. And now we're just keeping up with each new book that she brings us. Um, but we are so thrilled to welcome you to the show, Roz. Just ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Yeah. It's always amazing to me. Um, and maybe you found this over the years when you create a book, you actually do, you don't think about it necessarily when you're writing it, but you actually impact people's lives with that. That's right? such a strange thought, isn't it? And I, I still, I still feel really surprised and really touched and really delighted when someone says you know oh I really enjoyed it or I like this particular story or I read your book and so I decided to do this or I decided to do that 
it isn't at all how you feel about it when you're writing it. Not at all. I'm just, in a way, I'm just having a nice time, Mm -hmm. you know, meeting people I like, writing about houses I find really interesting and really inspiring. And there's also, there's quite a long gap between when you send off your last piece of copy and when you actually see the book as an object. Mm-hmm. And it's as soon as it's an object, it, it has become objectified. It's something that has a kind of life of its own. And I feel slightly disconnected from it mm-hmm. at that stage. It's a strange thing. Have, mm-hmm. have you done a book? Yeah, I've done three or four at this point. And I always... Of course you have. Of course you have. I know that. What a silly question. I know that. It's yeah. like giving birth, but yeah. I'm like you. I'm like, once it's birthed creatively, I'm like, see ya. I'm not, I'm yeah. uninterested now at this point. <laughs> it is odd, isn't it? You kind of move on and... Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But I was I was thinking this morning. So the first book of yours that I started with, um, and maybe we should give listeners a big kind of overview of what books you've done. But I bought Perfect English Farmhouse when okay. we moved into this house. So or right before. So that was about seven years ago, six years ago. Um, and I was thinking, actually, the house that my children will grow up knowing and that the things that they will be familiar with or that will have that nostalgia for them or that's because of this book. I mean, I have, it's pages are worn. I have gone over and over and over it again and again and again, and thought that's actually what we've created our home from. What an amazing thing that that is. And that work from you over there on the other side of the world is impacting children in Malibu, Washington. You make me cry. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. It's true. When I, so uh, to our audience, if you're not, if this is the first time you've met Roz, she's um, really branded this perfect English style. I mean, it's uh, in the introduction to your most recent book, you, you, you call it that it's sort of become this brand. Like you said, it's the books have become this thing of their own. And what it, the reason Shay and I love this um, Roz's words so much is they really, I just feel like your words have put you've put down on paper what's been swirling around in my creative head for so many years. And then when I see it articulated and I see the photographs that are corresponding with your words, it's so encouraging to me in my own space. Um, Perfect French country. I'm going to show the audience this. You can see. That's your soul personified, Angela. Look at at my bedroom (laughs) wall color back there. Look at the cover of this book. I mean, it's just, I, I find myself I sometimes I I'm so taken like when I turn the pages and like you said they're worn and mm-hmm. they've really impacted my space and um you know I I call my style old world and I feel like what your books have done is just really some of us appreciate permission to be what we are who we are it's sort of a permission slip we try to do that on the show to homemakers here's two people behind a microphone giving you permission to just love being home and love creating an atmosphere in your home. Cause that's not necessarily encouraged in the culture. Uh, and so I feel like in so many ways, your books just gave me this big written permission slip, just go do your thing in your house, just yep. do it. And I well, love yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody's ever said anything quite so nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> really? I they're referenced yeah, all the time. Really- that's a lovely thing to say. And, um, you know, if, if I, if I felt I was 
any kind of, you know, accidental influence. And what you, it's very nice to hear you say that because what you never want to do is set up a lot of unattainable fantasy interiors. And, and one of the things I've always really tried with the books to include places that are more accessible. You know, there, there are quite a lot of books out there and they show absolutely beautiful homes. And yes, you know, they're inspiring and they're wonderful and you gasp at their beauty, but they're, they're really unattainable. And, um, you know, I'm very lucky now. I live in a really beautiful house. It is quite a big house. It's an old house. It's a lovely house. But uh, all, all through my childhood, there was there was no money around. And um, it's taken a long time to get here. And I certainly absolutely remember what it's like not not to have any spare money at all. And at that stage, everything I bought was from what we call a charity shop. I think you call them thrift mm-hmm. stores um, and actually, I still do that. You know, it's that's an old habit that just hasn't gone away. But you, it's it's very easy with things like Instagram, you know, glossy magazines, just to worry that you're that actually what you're doing is just sort of inciting envy and making mm-hmm. people feel inadequate. And I would feel really bad if I thought that's all I'd manage. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's, let's expand on that because, you know, our audience is homemakers and mm. <clears throat> some of them are in rental houses. Some of them are in apartments. Some of them live in the city. Some of them live yeah. in the country. I mean, they span the globe. Yeah. Um, but, and I think this is what, this is genuinely the distinctive mark of your, your design books is it's not perfect. And like, no, it's not. So the, the name is really silly and sad. I love it. Yeah. But it is perfect. So the, I'm trying to think of which book it is because I, I celebrate your entire catalog, but there's a really great one of an old wrought iron bed in a bedroom, second floor, I think. And the slope of the floor is so severe that one side of the bed is on the floor and one leg is up on like a six inch rock. Yeah. 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 And not only is this not hidden, but it's actually highlighted. It's actually like kind of part of the Celebrated. point. Yeah. And mm. you mention it in the words, like the slope of the floor, you know, you have to equal out the bed. And I'm, that is like what we really hope to convey to homemakers. So I would love to hear your thoughts on like, A, where did this like perfect house ideal come from? And then how can you sort of How can you sort of work, let's say, in a woman's mind as she is cultivating her home Mm -hmm. to to celebrate those weird, quirky oddities of her home? Um, I'm a couple of things that come to mind, like the really small doors, you know, in a lot of the homes or like the step up, the four inch step up into the other room, uh, the ungrouted tile, the exposed wiring or piping, just all of those things that, you know, better homes and gardens would think of as, oh, we need to hide that. Right? We need to like yeah. take this shot so it doesn't look like that. And what a dis- what a disadvantage that is to homemakers who are actually just having to live in these houses. Exactly. I don't know where the idea of the perfect home comes from. It's like the perfect body, the perfect hair, <laughs> the perfect face, you know. We all have these things 
shoved in front of us all the time, don't we? And you know, none of us are none of us are perfect. I think in this country we're perhaps quite used to those sorts of imperfection because so much of our housing is old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, the house you're talking about, I think is, if I remember rightly, it's it's a 17th century house and the floor over the years has just sagged, you know. Mm-hmm. And in this house, um, I mean, I'm looking around now, I'm in the kitchen and the, the pipe work hasn't been recessed. It's all surface mounted. And that's because, you know, when the house was built, there was no plumbing, there was no electricity. So when that stuff was added in, it was it was added on. And I think, um, so I think in this country, we're, we're, we're perhaps slightly more used to working with that sort of imperfection, especially in an old house where you, you, you gain a lot of sort of character and interest and patina and wear, but you certainly probably don't get perfection. You don't mm. get clean corners. You don't get totally flat walls. Mm. Um, as for feeling better about it, I, I think, you know, a lot of us have had the experience of going going somewhere where there really is perfection, whether that's really sort of beautiful monastic minimalism, um, which looks incredible in photographs, and actually, to me, anyway, it feels quite uncomfortable to inhabit because you kind of feel, you know, if a hair drops out onto the floor, it's going mm-hmm. to ruin the look of it. You just feel like you're an imposition on the space. And I think of, I just like to be comfortable, basically. I like to be comfortable in my clothes. Um, I like to be comfortable in my home. And I, th- I think I just elide the things that aren't perfect. I don't look at them. There's lots of other things to look at that I look at instead. And too much perfection really does make me feel uncomfortable because I, I can't live up to that. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Oh, I think yeah, we're living in the wrong country, Shay. <laughs> I know we are. Um, here's an example of this. So I bought this thrifted chair. And it's tattered. I mean, it's probably from maybe the fifties or sixties and its arms are all threadbare and kind of the stuffing's coming out. And I brought it home and my dad said, that is the ugliest chair (laughs) that I've ever seen. Like, why would you, why would you buy that? But I put it by our fireplace and I drape a little throw over it. And I tell you what, that is everyone's favorite chair because they do just feel like I can sit in here and maybe my clothes aren't perfectly clean, or maybe I want to tuck my feet up while I read or whatever. Exactly. Great. That's exactly (laughs) it, isn't it? You know, you can live in the space, you can be yourself, you can scatter the newspapers around, you know, and it won't ruin the look of a room. Too much Mm -hmm. perfection is just very demanding. Mm -hmm. And and I think some people love that, you know, and that's fine if you do, but I I don't, not for my own home. I need to Mm -hmm. feel that I can... I'm not going to worry if there's a tiny mark or a little tiny chip or uh, it's not going to really upset me because it's not going to ruin the whole effect. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Certainly not in my house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have a trend here in the States. I don't I don't know if it's in the UK and France, mm. but we have this white, they call it the white farmhouse trend. And yeah. everything is white. The floors, yeah. the walls, the furniture, everything. And I always joke, the minute a child walks in the back door and throws a red backpack on the floor, the look is ruined. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. a dog. 
you know, a dog, anything. I mean, how, how can you have a dog in a house like that? <laughs> it does look beautiful. And actually, I've got a, a very good friend who um, has always lived like that. And she, she takes her shoes off and she pads around in bare feet. And that is how she feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. She, she works in a sort of very visual business and she likes the absolute calm of okay. everything being white. But she doesn't have children. Mm-hmm. Um, she does have a cat, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that's the way she's chosen to live. And I, I, would, I would never, you know, people like to live in such different ways. But certainly to me, a bit of wear and tear is, you know, is good. It's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Uh, I think that the this, um, I call them perfect imperfections. I think when, when you embrace those, especially somebody like I'm in a new home, this is the newest home I've ever lived in. The oldest home was right. about 1850. And okay. this was really traumatic to me. This house was built in 1984. <laughs> Not what I wanted at all. <laughs> But it was on property and it, they couldn't sell it. They they couldn't get rid of it. And it was really suited for our family and the location. Okay. So yeah. that door opened wide up. And now I'm, yeah. I always say I'm trying to dial back the clock and deconstructing this home so that it looks old. But this embracing of uh, perfect imperfections, I think for the American homeowner in new construction, it sort of takes the pressure off, like you said, to keep up with that competitive Instagram, everything is on point look. Yeah. When you can just embrace yeah. that there's some wonky areas or that door doesn't match or yeah. this room is has mismatched baseboard compared to that room. Yeah. There's a lot of relief. And I think in that relief, then then the creativity can happen. But when you're always obsessing about making it uh showroom worthy, it's so yeah. defeating. <laughs> yeah, it is because it's a hard thing to do. Um it mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it puts, it puts pressure on you, doesn't it? Which is, again, it's just not very, is not very comfortable. I mean, I think I'm just naturally a bit of a scruffy person. Quite <laughs> right. I love that. So. <laughs> I've always been like that, you know, I've never been able to wear high heeled shoes, even though, you know, they make your legs look better. <laughs> I like the discomfort. So um I've never been able to wear really tight clothes. I just, I just like being comfortable, and I, and that, and actually, I think, I, 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 you know, I think there is a strand of English decoration that that absolutely does um, put comfort very high on the list of what's important. And actually, classic English country house style is is very comfortable to live with. You know, it is big fat sofas, it is mm-hmm. thick heavy curtains, drapes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is carpets on the floor. It is a bit of a mix of stuff, you know, so you don't feel too constrained. You can mix different styles and different periods of stuff together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's physically and to me anyway, visually comforting. I find that comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's winter. We're getting organized. We're getting clean. We are washing our sheets from American Blossom Linens, softer with each washing. These are our favorite sheets here on the show. You know this as fans of vintage linens. These are the best sheets ever. Shay and I love to call them modern vintage, and you need to be sleeping on them with a process called combing. All the rough fibers are pulled through these American-made, Texas-grown cotton sheets. This creates the softest, most beautiful sheets for your home. 
You will love them. I know you're in the mood to spruce things up. You want to make things fabulous for your home, beautiful. You want to survive winter in style. Do that with American Blossom Linens. Visit AmericanBlossomLinens.com and use this equally as beautiful coupon code HOMEMAKERSHEIK20 for 20% off sheets, duvets, beautiful linens that I know you will love as much as Shay and I do. AmericanBlossomLinens.com. Use the coupon code HOMEMAKERSHEIK20. A huge concept on this show is Better Not More, and our sponsor, House of Tokemon, exemplifies this idea. Visit hotrugs.net because I know you're tired of throwing your money away on cheap rugs that don't survive your lifestyle, and I know you want to dress your home in a hand-woven rug from House of Tokemon. These beautiful vintage rugs are known to outlast their plastic counterparts, you know, those washable rugs, by two decades. I know your washable rug hasn't held up the way you want it to. All of the House of Tokemon rugs are heirloom quality, they're handmade, and they are made from the finest cottons and sheep's wool. Buy directly from their website, always enjoy free shipping in the continental U.S., or enjoy a custom sourcing experience. I'll give you a little hint. Follow House of Tokemon over on Instagram for the most incredible education on rug quality, care, and sourcing. And then when you're ready, use this exclusive coupon code, HOMEMAKER25, for 25% off a beautiful investment into your home. You're guaranteed a one-of-a-kind rug, no fake antique rugs, no machine-made copies or replicas. You've seen them in our homes. Now it's time to dress your home in a rug. Visit House of Tokemon at HotRugs.net. That's HotRugs.net. And use the coupon code HOMEMAKER25. This is Angela. You've been following over on ParisianFarmGirl.com or maybe over on ParisianFarmGirl on Instagram. You've seen me redoing my home. You love the style, but you want to develop a little bit of your own style too. So here's what I think you should do. You need to visit oldworld.parisianfarmgirl.com and become a member of my Old World Design Society. As a member of the society, each quarter, I'm going to walk you through making your personal space even more beautiful with three private design classes. We have a design forum that is overflowing with ideas for your home and like-minded old souls just like you. And of course, a quarterly publication print or digital with no ads. The current magazine, Winter 2022, is so lovely, if I do say so myself, full of plenty of design inspiration and DIY projects to keep you busy until the tulips come up. So visit oldworld.parisianfarmgirl.com become a member of this special community of like-minded old souls. That's oldworld.p-a-r-i-s-i-e-n-n-e, farmgirl.com. I think you see that throughout your books. You see these homeowners who, let's say, maybe have a traditional sort of British style, and then there's always a wild card in every room. It's like Mm -hmm. some giraffe figuring that they got in the when kitchen they were on or their travels yeah. or yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's always some, some sort of little thing. Um, I want to ask, did you have this kind of same style in your home when you have a daughter, correct? Two. I've got two daughters. You have two. Okay. Did you have the same sort of style when you had children or how was it different? How has it changed from having children to not having children? It's, I think the style is pretty much the same. I mean, when they were little, we lived in, uh, in fact, in quite a modern house in London, but we had a lot of the same stuff. I mean, obviously, when you you know now I've got grandchildren who are toddlers and they come here and you 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 do have to sort of do a sweep, you know, mm-hmm. and 
move things up and maybe tuck up any cloth that's over a table so they're not going to pull it off and pull everything on the table off. But I have to say it was pretty similar. And and Mm -hmm. actually, it's a good style for kids because if there are toys on the floor or, you know, the sofa's all ruckled up or whatever, it's it's fine. Mm -hmm. Or if they, you know, take a Sharpie to a sofa, it's like, well, that's it didn't match so any funny. other thing. <laughs> no, that's not so funny. <laughs> well, I had a, I had a child. The line at yeah. the sofa. He went into the living room. He tied a Sharpie onto a string and he swung it around his head like this just to see what would happen. Well, mm-hmm. what happened is the pen exploded. <laughs> oh, the my goodness. Came off and it shot permanent ink oh all over. Goodness. I mean. Oh. Luckily, I mean nothing was ruined. It all—it's all a bit shabby anyway. Comfy. It was black. Oh, it was black. (laughs) Yeah, of course it was. Of course it was. But but one of the things I was—I'm really thankful for—is none of my furniture matches. None of it's part of a set. So if you ruin the love seat, not that that's what I want, but Mm -hmm. if it gets ruined, I don't have to go replace it all. Yeah. Yeah. You just add a little piece here, add a little piece. And, and actually for our listeners, I think this is one of the hardest things for them to accept that this isn't actually a style that you can just pull off in a weekend. Right. No, no, that's true. That <laughs> it's is like true. layers. Yeah. It's like, no, you actually yeah. have to love this. You don't yeah. just create it. You have to, it has to be, you know, if you're going to have books stacked on your coffee table, mine are all yours, by the way, and they haven't left in five years. Those are my only books I keep out and Monty Don's. Um, but it's, if you're going to, if you're going to have books out there, they're going to be the books that you actually read. Yeah. If you're going to yeah. have sofas and mismatched, they're going to be chairs you actually sit in. And that takes yeah. time. It does. And also, I mean, I, for, for me, one of the keys is, is just to, it's just to have things that you really love and they, they may not mm-hmm. match. Um, but the nice thing about this sort of really quite relaxed informal style is that you can, you can see something that, you know, doesn't match that doesn't necessarily fit in, but that you just absolutely love and you almost certainly will find somewhere you can put it mm-hmm. you can kind of mix things up. You're not constrained too much by what you buy. And I don't think I've ever decorated a room from scratch. Not really. You know, I've thought, well, what color should this be? And, but I mean, nearly all my curtains are secondhand or, you know, my mum had them or I think there's two pairs of curtains in this house that I literally chose and had made. All the others have come from various Mm -hmm. places. (laughs) So... I'm never really, I've I've always, I think I would find it really scary to create a whole decorative scheme. That's just never how I've done it. I've had to sort of work with what I've already got. And there is a, there is a certain amount of turnover. So, I mean, my poor husband, he's so tolerant because actually he's an awful lot more minimalist than I am. So I have to promise him. When something new comes in, at least one thing will go out, and it, it doesn't always. But um, that's the sort of aim. Um, but you know, there is a little bit of turnover, but there's also a lot of stuff that we've had since we were first married. Actually, uh, it's just kind of accumulated, and you know, as our homes have got bigger, um, especially since we moved out of London. Um, 
it's filled up a bit more, but it's not, I don't think it's changed in essence terribly much. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite parts is that it doesn't really go out of style. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think <laughs> it does. I don't think it does. I mean, you can look, I, you know, I was looking the other day at some pictures of the first flat we had and it's really not so different in feel from, and that's mm-hmm. 35 years ago or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it is sad when you see these um, sort of modern homes being built, and they're built with a certain aesthetic in a certain period. And at least here, we can date them. Like, oh, I bet that house was built around 2010, or that house was built around 1999, or whatever. Um, And they have perfectly functional kitchens that are fine, but they'll rip them out and put it in a new kitchen. And this happens every about 15 years. People are putting. Ten or fifteen thousand dollars into yeah. redoing a kitchen because the tiles out of style, the flooring yeah. looks now tacky, you know the the high gloss brass faucets are now out and then they're in. <laughs> Man, that's that is so um, well. I mean, wasteful in a way, but also just exhausting for the homemaker. <laughs> you know, you're happy with your space for a couple years, and then you spend the next five years saving and dreaming of this new kitchen that you want, right? This new modern thing. And um, I think it's actually great news for the homemaker. You actually don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think yeah. it's stressful, isn't it? You know, that yes. thing of trying to keep up with fashion and we're all, we are all affected by fashion to some extent. I think this is a reasonably timeless style. Mm-hmm. Um, the kitchen thing, I mean, here there has definitely been a move towards the more unfitted kitchen, which is a more kind of flexible way of mm-hmm. having a kitchen that you can take with you, bits of it you can take with you. Um, but it's the waste that absolutely mm-hmm. grieves me. I can't bear the idea of all that stuff just going probably into landfill. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that is another, for me, real selling point for this particular way of decorating is it is a really, I think it is about as environmentally friendly as decorating can get because you're reusing, you're upcycling, you're often using things that have been used for, you know, a hundred years. The trees that they were made from were cut down a hundred years ago. They were probably beautifully made with minimal machines Mm-hmm. I like that, you know, I like that feeling that, and and also that the things that you own and the chairs you sit on and the table you eat from, and maybe even the sofa you sit on, will be sat on and eaten from in a hundred years time. Mm-hmm. I think that's just, I love that feeling of continuity. I like the fact that it's not wasteful. I think it's very nice if you can afford it to buy things that are made by contemporary craftspeople. Um, I mean, they tend, needless to say, to be quite expensive, probably more expensive than an equivalent antique, but Mm -hmm. because you're paying for that person's time as well as their skill. I think that's a really nice thing to do because those are things that probably will also last. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there, there, there has to be a place for the sort of relatively cheap ready-made furniture because that is for a lot of people you know that that is all they can 
afford. But even then, I sometimes think to myself, you know, if you just looked in a secondhand store or actually went to an auction, you could probably buy something that was better made mm-hmm. or last longer and probably actually cost less. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I think, too, that, you know, in, in referencing the homemaker, um, when you do that, when you seek out, like you said, a thrift or charity shop or auction house piece, um, well, let's put it this way. If Ikea has its place, okay, there's, it serves a need. It's fabulous. It's very useful, um, yeah. but it's not appreciating in value. N- none of those, none of those types of pieces or that, that style is, has any appreciation. And if you do go to the thrift shop and buy an antique, you know, hutch for your unfitted kitchen, most likely that's going to appreciate in value. It's those pieces with the dovetail and the way they're made, they're never going to be worth nothing. Whereas an Ikea cabinet eventually will be worth absolutely nothing. So from the get-go, it's even a better investment as far as the home economy goes. Yeah, I think there's some really strong arguments for it. I mean, that being said, I do have a whole wall of IKEA bookshelves in my study. Right. And are great because under the weight of glossy magazines, they don't actually do that. They stay because they're made from MGF. Um, so you're right, it has its place. Mm-hmm. But you know, I that there are very strong arguments for buying secondhand if you can I mean it's not you know it's not always easy to find the right. thing it takes a bit of effort <laughs> yes yeah. it does yeah. yeah we have a table in our kitchen so we moved in and ripped all the nasty cabinets out we had a turf grass carpet in our kitchen <laughs> so we we ripped all that out and wow. yeah and the kitchen sat you know it was kind of the space was a little bit vacant for a while because we were looking for like a working table, just one people could actually sit around, but that also you could use for food prep or whatever. Um, and it took like maybe two and a half or three years for us to actually find this table, which is a barbaric length of time to wait when you really want a piece and you can see it in your head. But just last week I had my children in there. So this table is about a little over 200 years old and it, we had to take a special trip to go get it, but I was teaching them how to oil it. And I was like, this piece has survived. Like it is not going to die with us. <laughs> like One of you is going to inherit it and you're going to have to take care of it. Like, I think in some ways you have to kind of grow intimate with the pieces in your home because especially pieces of wood, I mean, they are living, even though the wood was long ago cut, they're still sort of this like living piece of history in your home and they will die with you if you're not careful if you don't if you don't um actually put the effort in to love them (laughs) yeah no that's very true and I think that's a really nice thing to bring your children up with I think that's lovely Mm -hmm. because you've both got several children haven't you many many children (laughs) I have six I have four and you one of you had six (laughs) yeah yeah how do you do that many children there's a lot of children there's a lot of children (laughs) No, this, uh, this style is really, even if we wanted a different style, we couldn't, (laughs) this style suits. We both have farms. I mean, right now in my kitchen. So I have a terracotta tile in my kitchen floor that we put in and I have two little lambs in there just 
walking around. They're bottle lambs. They're orphans. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to poop on the floor and you wipe it up. Like, what does it matter? It's terracotta. Like, you're not going to do yeah. that's what they're going to do. That's where they have to be right now. So yeah. it's a very, it's very lived in, very loved. Um, okay. I would love it if you could. Um, we have a lot of young homemakers who listen to this and really are just trying to like get their feet underneath them as homemakers. Um, and a lot of them became homemakers over through COVID, you know, for one reason or another, they were kind of forced for lack of a better word into the home. And all of a sudden they're finding themselves here and they're trying to skill up and they're trying to learn how to kind of fall in love with their home and really get their heart in a, in a place of like, Hey, this has value and this is good. And whether you have children or not makes no difference. We always say everybody's a homemaker. If you're cultivating a beautiful space to be, to live. You're a homemaker. Um, but what, what kind of advice would you have for the young homemaker who is, who is kind of wanting to, you know, spread her wings a little bit when it comes to just creating a home that she does feel comfortable in and that she does love and that she feels comfortable having other people in, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard when you start, isn't it? I think I would <laughs> yeah. because, you know, my mum was an antique dealer. Um, when I had my first flat in London, she had a couple, you know, she gave me things. Mm-hmm. So I kind of started with a few bits of, they weren't fantastic, but they were perfectly nice, mm-hmm. you know, sort of secondhand vintage bits of furniture. It, it's hard when you... It's hard when you start with nothing. I mean, I would always, always start by just going round thrift stores. Um, do you have, I guess you, of course you have auctions, don't you? Do you tend to have sort of local auctions where you can pick up secondhand furniture? Because that's quite a big thing here. You know, most towns have a, a small auction house mm. where people just get rid of things that aren't necessarily terribly valuable, but kind of secondhand bits of furniture. And Mm. maybe uh, our, maybe our equivalent is like Craigslist. Well, (laughs) there are (laughs) some of the bigger cities. I don't know if I've ever heard of, Mm -hmm. yeah, like Chicago has auctions. um, And then there are big local. So we have an Amish community in Indiana. Right. And that one is phenomenal. It's called Shipshawana. It's famous. It's incredible. It's just multiple huge barns and there'll be like a 20 by 20. Just there's hundreds of auctions going on at the same time. It's overwhelming. It's phenomenal. But I know um, the auction here isn't as popular as it is in the UK, but there are towns where it's more of like, it's not as popular. It's just a warehouse and you kind of have to ask antique dealers and find out. Yeah, about that. But it's not a mm-hmm. common knowledge kind of a thing, don't you? And you have we have flea markets. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that is what I I think that's that's how I would start. I would just start looking for things that that catch my eye and mm-hmm. um, make me smile. You know, mm-hmm. every room needs a few of those. Obviously, you need your basics. You need something to sit on. You need something to eat off. Although you don't shay, obviously for Two years, you managed without <laughs> a table. Yep. Um, 
it's a difficult thing to do but I my sort of you know I, I don't have any rules if I have if I have a rule it is just unless it's going to be incredibly useful and you absolutely need it don't buy something if you don't really love it you know mm-hmm. wait like you waited and sometimes just a, a really beautiful cushion made from I mean you could make it yourself you know made mm-hmm. from a fabulous bit of fabric that catches your eye that can be enough to lift a room and make you feel mm-hmm. yeah you know I think mm-hmm. I'm this room yes you don't need to gather it all together at once you can kind of start slowly and build up Mm -hmm. and and improve on things and upgrade things maybe it's partly a question of having confidence in what you like and not spending too much time you know flicking through Instagram and thinking I wish I lived in that house right just exploring the things that you find visually exciting you know what floats your boat visually what Mm -hmm. and I think that that's a kind of learning process isn't it um and you can learn that by trawling markets and antique shops and secondhand shops and just seeing what the things are that really pull you Mm -hmm. maybe there'll be things you can't afford but you'll be starting to sort of create a visual language for yourself mm-hmm. so that you feel confident when you see something that you like that you mm-hmm. really like it that you don't like it because you think you should like it you don't like it because you think your mum would like it you don't <laughs> like it because you think it makes you look clever or in some way impressive you just like it mm-hmm. and then to have the confidence to bring that into your home and um not really mind too much what other people think because if mm-hmm. it gives you joy, that that's enough. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have found so helpful is I'll I'll gather all your books, all of them. And <laughs> when I'm doing something in a room, let's say I need to redo trim, you know. So a lot of us, you know, if you move into like a newer house, you kind of have this really cheap, nasty, thin trim. And yeah. I think one way to really make a space feel instantly like much better is just to put a nice fat trim on everything. So I'll sit down with your books and maybe I'm looking at beds. Maybe I'm looking at bathtubs. Maybe I'm looking at tiles. Maybe I'm looking at light fixtures and I'll literally just flip through the pages and look at the light fixture on every page and like kind of get a running narrative in my mind of what do I like? What don't I like? What's practical for our space? And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that starting out. So we're working on a remodel of our basement currently and we're getting ready to put in a second bathroom. And I'm so insecure because I have also never done a room from scratch. I mean, it's just bare and I, it's so scary. I mean, poor Angela, I'm just like, help me, help me, help me. Well, finally, once I realized I had really worked myself into a knot over this because I really wanted it to have this certain cottagey feel And I start looking at like William Morris wallpapers. And finally it was just like, no, that's not, it's, it's going to be too stuffy. Like you need a place that you just love. And that's really, really comfortable that you're really comfortable in. And once I sort of just, yeah, just as long as I love it, who cares? It's my room. I'm not making it for anybody else. Relax into it. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. I I mean, I think it's, you know, it's sort of, 
it's easy to say just have what you love but sometimes Mm -hmm. I think people don't have enough confidence to know what they love you know Mm -hmm. I I'm 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 lucky because I was brought up with two parents who were pretty visual and um we always went to look at houses you know national trust houses as they are here and my mum always had an interest in antiques so I kind of you know, I grew up with this stuff. So it's almost like second nature to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something I've really been conscious of learning about. Mm -hmm. um, I do know from, you know, talking to lots of other people, friends and uh, people who haven't made a career out of doing what I do, that that sometimes it is really hard to know what you do like. I think the more Mm -hmm. you do that, the more you can get a sense of what you like. And the more you try to discount, you know, what other people might think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because it's a terrible mistake to buy things just because you think they'll impress someone. You'll get get really fed up with them and the person won't be impressed. (laughs) Well, and don't you think there's also like this acceptance of where you are and what kind of house you have? There's a lot you can do to manipulate that, but... Like Angela and I always joke, like my house, it's never going to be a chateau. It's like a very small little quaint orchard cottage. If I were to bring in this regal design style, it wouldn't make sense. You know, it just, it wouldn't fit. And I think part of it is just looking at what you've been given and saying, I can like another style. I love that style. It's not going to work here. It's not going to work. No, mm-hmm. absolutely. And maybe you can bring in a tiny little bit of it. I mean, if what you love is, you know, French chateau style, you could have one little ormolu mm-hmm. sconce, you know, mm-hmm. you could probably pop that in a corner somewhere. You can make a gesture towards it. But yeah, you're mm-hmm. not going to get the whole high ceilinged parquet floor. Right. Yeah. You've done that, Shay. You have the trumo in the kitchen, you know. Yes, so you've I, got yes. a very rustic yeah. kitchen with a trumeau covering the circuit box. Yeah, fantastic. And no, I've also I also love- priced out parquet floor, and that's not going anywhere. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <this house> too. <laughs> that's not going to work. Uh, I love what you're saying about you know, so many people will say, but I don't know what I like. I don't. I'm not there. But it is about reading books, looking at pictures, going to flea markets. Um, you have to train your eye and be constantly exposing yourself to it, and then then you you do sort of, okay, well, I like that. I don't like that. But if you're sort of living in the dark and not putting yourself in that arena, that's not really going to happen. Mm-hmm. No, and I mean, to be fair, you know, it's never been easier to look at a lot of images. I mean, we can go online. You can you, you mm-hmm. can any number of styles. You can look at magazines online. You can look and you can look and you can look. And I think that is how you discover what you like and mm-hmm. also what you don't like mm-hmm. um and then it's it's a process of experimentation isn't it you know mm-hmm. I, I suspect we all get better at doing it doing it the more we practice and we also all make mistakes and then we try not to make the same mistake again and then we mm-hmm. probably make a different mistake um it's a, kind of, it's a process but it's actually a really enjoyable process it's a lovely process I think that's the other thing is just not to get too uptight and worried about it just really enjoy it it's fun you know Mm -hmm. it's lovely decorating it's like sort of you know making your nest comfortable and pretty isn't it it's a really really nice thing to do and I think the less anxious you are about it the less likely you are to make mistakes in a way 
I mean, sure, do your research, you know, um, look at things, try things out if you can. But in the end, mm-hmm. yeah, just try and in, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the design tips that Angela always sort of left me with um, from many, many years ago when I was learning sort of how to piece this together. And she would always say, look, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So mm-hmm. find an image. Uh, yeah. Listeners, go buy all of Ross's books. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we should list them all. Um, but yeah. find an image and just say, that room speaks to me. I love that. And then mimic it from yeah. like paint color. Okay. There's some sort of stonework. How can we bring that in? Okay. There's some sort of old lighting thing. Okay. How can I work that in? Um, yeah. And just sort of piece it together in a way that's possible. But you know, not everybody's a designer and not everybody even has the time or the energy to train their eye. So you don't have to oh, <laughs> People right? have done that for you. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Yeah. Something that you love and you're interested in, then you're going to enjoy doing it, aren't you? Yep. You know, that's the thing. And some people really aren't that bothered, you know, as long as they got a chair to sit on, a telly to watch, a cooker to cook on, they're happy. You know, not everybody, not everybody is into homemaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are into it, it's a very, it's a very enjoyable, it's a very enjoyable um Activity, isn't it? I still, you know, I still get a kick from rearranging things on my dresser. <laughs> I buy a, you know, I buy yet another cracked plate and I and I think, yeah, I'm gonna have to find a place for that. And then I have to rearrange everything. And and that's like playing to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just like a lovely sort of grown-up game that you can mm-hmm. play. Rearrange your room, change your cushions. It's fun. Oh man. Well, ironically, (laughs) Roz, that is the theme of our season is making it fun again. So every episode this season is just to encourage you. We've had a rough couple of years and we just want to encourage everyone to make it fun again. So thank you Mm -hmm. so much for joining us and encouraging us to just lighten up and make it fun again. Yeah. You two make it fun. So um, So we hope so. Yeah, no, seriously, this is this is truly like one of the highlights of my entire career. This this yeah, last this hour. Is this is great. this is amazing. So we really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. So well, lovely thanks to for joining you. us. Really nice to meet you. And thank you yeah. so much for asking me. Very honored. Yeah. Very yeah, generous to have you. Time. Thank you. Okay, okay listeners. Yeah. Have a great week and we will be back with you here on Thursday. On Thursday. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye.